0: How to Create a Glitch, the Complete Series. Chapter 9 Causality and Conclusions. Now, in a previous volume, one wrote about how various rhythms also create uniformity in the subjective experience of social participants. I provided a diagram, I have reproduced below, to show some of these cycles. As I said the full extent of these cycles is beyond the scope of these books. What I neglected to explain is how these cycles interact with the various plates described in the first diagram in this volume. So, I will do so here. To return to the basics, a gateway is created whenever two people experience the substance of reality the same way it is created in relation to a common object or idea. There are a number of ways that these cycles create gateways. First of all, each of these cycles alters one's orientation in space relative to another person. For example, two people on opposite sides of the globe will experience a distinct rotational orientation relative to the surface of the earth, or any object on it, and hence, the sun this rotational orientation will give them a slightly rotated experience of reality. For example, just as the Coriolis force produces distinct orientations to the flow of air and water on opposing sides of the globe, so too will it produce a slightly rotated experience of certain things. This means that the nature of the gateway relative to these experiences is local as opposed to global. Second of all, The rotation of the earth provides the presence or absence of sunlight at particular locations and creates the orderly movement of time, or the appearance of it. This creates local patterns in the habits and routines of social actors, which again, gives preference to local as opposed to global trends. The lesson we learn from these thoughts is that the rhythms or patterns of nature localize gateway formation or give precedence to local over global streams of experience. But they also produce trends because of the distinct manner by which these trends flow through the milieu of the earth. The manner of involvement of these rhythms in the intersection of minds on earth is to fragment or localize experience. This of course makes sense, because if the world was flat and powered by an artificial source of light directly above it, we would all have the same experience of time, light, darkness, season, etc. In that case, the unification of our minds through common experience would create a uniformity of reality unlike the one we currently have. More importantly, it is this localization of experience through the action of the various celestial rhythms that makes glitching possible through local action. It is dimension that gives consciousness the appearance of division, not anything intrinsic. Consciousness in a dimensionless universe would be unified. In other words, the direction of causation in the rhythms of the universe is inverted. It flows outward from global to local. The direction of causation within the rhythms or plates is inward, and globalizes experience. This dichotomy can be understood in the below diagram. Of course, it is important to note that the cycles on the right are not the physical, spatial structures of the universe itself, but rather their impact on human sociality, rhythm and habit now, if we go back to my writings on the nature of glitches, we see that among the experiences that glitching can produce is the retrocausal event. The question becomes, why would glitching produce such an event? If we think of the example I gave of the students in the classroom, where the teacher uses the allegory of the cup to initiate his discourse, we can see the causal order of events is not the same as the temporal order of events. So, we see that the allegory of the cup initiates the causal chain. This means that ultimately the joining of the students in the location of the classroom is caused by the allegory being understood within their minds. One is a direct consequence of the other. So, all the events which preceded the students gathering their belongings, getting up in the morning, every little detail of their day which allowed him to reach the classroom on time to hear that allegory, must have occurred. This means the buses were on time that morning because of the allegory. This means the students woke up on time for that class because of that allegory. It also means that the direction of causation is not the same as the direction of time. We may think that A precedes B when in fact causally it may follow B. So, earlier in the volumes, when I mentioned retrocausal events, in fact, what I was writing about were retrotemporal not retrocausal. In effect, by elevating your consciousness to the esoteric, your vision is focused on the next step in the causal chain, as opposed to what would ordinarily be the next temporal step in the chain. The techniques described in the earlier volumes of this book must be understood in the context of the explanation in this volume. First, we know that reality can be described as an expectation field, which is conditioned by our bodily rhythms and the celestial rhythms which impact us. We know that the tension in our body is released or concentrated by the degree to which we resist an impulse. We also know that our impulses shape the outcome of what ultimately occurs. We know that a common feeling relative to some object creates a spatial intersection. And we know that an archetypal alignment produces a common feeling. Likewise, we know that a symbolic, oriented, symbol induces an archetypal alignment. And finally, we know that the esoteric objects and narratives set the whole system in motion. Now, it is interesting to note that the symbolic and the celestial have been frequently intertwined by mythology. It is also interesting to note that the esoteric is frequently associated with these narratives. And there's the rub because the reality is that the esoteric, symbolic and mythological are inextricably intertwined. These narratives, the narratives of gods and angels and demons are the narratives which underlie the coding of this reality. They are the causal beginnings of our species and the unifying narratives of human sociality. They are embedded in the DNA of our consciousness, collective history, and story. We continue to act out these stories within our societies thousands of years after their inception, repeating the same patterns time and time again. This is the ultimate truth of the simulation. That our mythologies are the code underlying the code, the causal impetus for human events. I am not suggesting that this is a new science, but rather that it is an old one. It is important to also note that the celestial rhythms are common locally. That is to say, they are also a local interface which unifies the rhythms of those in a particular place at a particular time. Likewise, the esoteric globalizes experience just as the celestial rhythms localize it. Think of it this way. In the material plane, the plane which impacts us through the celestial rhythms, causation is reductive. In the plane of the mind, the plane which impacts us through our bodily rhythms, causation is holistic. The strands of existence can be thus balanced by these two competing forces. Ultimately however, the relationship between these two sets of rhythms is not necessarily balanced. Most individuals live their whole lives in the bubble of a reductive reaction to the celestial rhythms. For most of us, our sleep patterns are conditioned by the stars and sun. When we eat, what we eat, even when we must use the washroom, is conditioned by the stars. But it need not necessarily be so, for each of us have a choice to dislodge these patterns from our behavior if we so choose, embracing the holistic and esoteric direction of causality. These moments, when one has stepped out of the conditioned rhythms and expectation field are moments when one can see the incursion of higher order meaning into one's life. One can witness the reconditioning of one's body to a new normal. And in the bubble universe created by pure subjectivity, one realizes that distinct narratives exist in the same space with the same actors one can understand that what one expects to be happening is oftentimes disconnected from reality and conventionality. It is the reductive nature of the celestial rhythms that gives the substance of the system its corrugated nature. But the interlocking points of the architecture are the actors themselves. We are the vertices of the matrix and roles of the lines. Stepping in and out of an archetype grants one passage into a distinct experience of reality. Our impulses are shaped reflexively by the celestial rhythms, conditioned by them, while our bodily rhythms create an array of them which extend outward from us. These impulses are reigned in by our acting upon them. We are localized by them. In resisting them, they become separate or distinct, spreading outward from us and interacting with the communal expectation field. Through this we attain community but it is an egoistic community, an inverted state, where our minds chafe at their interactions with others. They create focused, coiled expectations of others. In this subjectivity bubble, we can perceive things only through the lens of our egoistic impulses, divorced from the common expectation field. And in that place, we can experience many strange and unusual things. But it is not a place you should want to stay, albeit tempting, because it can also be a place of nightmares and delusion. So, I will conclude this volume by stating that there are only two rules to stop glitching. One, play the role you have been assigned by others in every context. Two, be grateful and remember that your perceptions are malleable. Reality is what you make it.